Um, all right, let's clap. I like to clap. One, two, three. That was super good. Cool. It was one of our most synchronized clappings ever. Good. (laughs) I'm feeling very Um, expansive today. I'm sorry. Oh, that's good. Expansive is a good feeling. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. My name's Alex, and I have not read Homestuck before. My name's Lydia, and before I tell you my relationship to Homestuck, I should mention that the thing we do on the the Homestake podcast is uh, we read Homestuck and we tell you about it. That is a good thing to go first. Yeah. Do we Um, want to start over? No, it's fine. Okay. Uh, So I'm I'm Lydia, and I have read Homestuck before. Now I'm rereading along with all of you. Yeah, um, before we get into the reading today, I just kind of wanted to bring a co- bring up a couple of, <laughs> what was I trying to say? Bring up a couple. I heard bring a cock. Oh. <laughs> I'm an adult. Um, so <laughs> la- our last recording, um, our friend Dromedary on Twitter tried to ask a question but missed the... Uh, deadline of us being done recording. Uh, but that was for Mother's Day. And we just... Um, Brian wants t- us to talk about the parents in HS. And Lydia, do you have any favorite parent parent slash guardian? Mm-hmm. Mom. Cool. Like Rose's mom. Yeah. I like her. I think she's interesting. We never... I don't think we ever get to hear her speak, but I would love to see a whole story. Like a grown-up story like about her cool what about you um i think her as well from what i've seen so far mm. i think dad would also unless, be really interesting honestly unless what unless becker counts in which case that's really cool like, Ooh, i want to yeah. i want to see more about becker which i'm sure we will pretty soon oh boy <laughs> or if soon is a relative term um we also have a bit of um follow-up with uh another homestake Homestuck podcast, um, which is the uh, Let Me Tell You About Homestuck, which um, we discussed a couple of episodes ago, um, and thought that they had um, stopped their project. Um, They've actually restarted. Um, One of the hosts, along with a new host, has returned to that endeavor of um, narrating Homestuck Out Loud on a podcast. So, um, and they reached out to us, so, um, that's exciting, and if you want to go listen to another Homestake, home, I'm going to keep saying Homestake, uh, podcast, then let me tell you about Homestuck is one that you can check out. Yeah, you super should. They seem really nice. Um, it's a huge, it's a mammoth undertaking, but they're actually moving along in a pretty good clip, and certain parts of, like, this comic are really entertaining when read aloud, so it's fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this week we're going to read from pages 3569 through 3699, so that's going to take us from just after Jack ascended to power last week through, I don't know, a bunch of stuff we're about to tell you about. Yeah, um, last last time we did mention that um, there's a big um, official recap in this reading. Um, we're just going to skip that. Yeah, we're it's... not going to run down the whole thing. 
Right, you took a couple of notes, right? There are literally, I have three things to say about it, like two and a half. And then the rest of it is like, you should remember these plot points. Cool. Slash, so, I mean, we recapped them all for you in episode 13, and we're going to do our own another recap in episode 23, so. Cool. Um, so just to set up, like, the very beginning, the very beginning, we are both mumbling and stumbling a lot today. Okay. Um, to set up the very beginning of, um, this reading, we actually see Jack's fourth wall, which, remember, um, he has these fenestrated walls, um, like four paneled windows, and he was missing the fourth one, and he found it, and it's, uh, it's a view of Andrew Hussey's room, and you see Andrew Hussey making Homestuck. With, I want to note, his, um, his, like, painting of a horse attacking a football player <laughs> in the background, and... And that's something that is real. Yeah, it's it's a whole drama. We're going to include in the show notes um, the horse painting saga, like the saga of the horse painting acquisition, because it was this whole thing. It was this whole thing, you guys. It's it's beyond the scope of this podcast, but you should check it out. Yeah. Um, so Hussey is here, and he's drawing uh, the meteors flying at Skya. Yeah, we see a little bit of his uh, his monitor. And uh, he just kind of, like, he seems affronted, actually. That, like, or not affronted, but he's sort of resigned to, like, the viewer, like, demanding to, like, have him explain stuff and, like, insert himself into the narrative, which is really not at all consistent with um, later on <laughs> appearances, but it's kind of funny for now. Uh he kind of wishes that he could turn off his side of the wall. But then we do, we the readers do eventually convince him to type up a recap of the entire, because we, in in real time, the comic has just finished its first year. Yeah. So, so I guess it's 2009 now, it's April 2009. And, uh, well, in, not in, not within the story. This, what we're reading right now was posted in April 2009. I thought it started in 2009 and this was 2010. Oh, no, yep, it would have been 2010. Yep, you're right. Okay. Because it, um, it started shortly after Obama was inaugurated. That's my... <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, um, so we're picking that up. And it's yeah. real long. I actually really recommend if you are... If you've been reading at pace with us, I super recommend that you, you read it. It's kind of... It'll take you, like, a solid ten minutes. But, like, it's a really good refresher. And there's links, like, on every, like, fourth word that'll send you back to the panel where the thing that it's talking about happened. That's really useful. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I will afterwards, I think. Yeah. They are, they are like, a real slog, though. I always, like, if I'm doing a big reread, I'll, like, stop whenever I get to one of them and be like, okay, I have to come back to this. Right. Um, so the big points that I wanted to mention from it, um, because I think I've been unclear about them. Like, I, I was a little, mis- I was sort of mistaken on them, or I was vague, and or, like, I thought we didn't know things that actually we do, at least according to these recaps. Because I do think, in other ways, it was, these are sort of opportunities for Hussey to make explicit some things that he's maybe not conveyed as explicitly as he could through the narrative that he intends for the reader to know for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, we've been saying, oh, the trolls are upset with the kids, because of something they're going to do that's going to cause a bunch of bad stuff to happen. And apparently we're supposed to know, for sure, that the reason they're upset with Jade is specifically... They're, so they're upset with Jade. Uh, that's the instigating event. And it's because she's going to send John a package which contains a powerful weapon, and it's going to get into Jack Noir's hands, and that's going to have quote-unquote dire consequences. 
And I like we saw those already. I just didn't remember that that was specifically the instigating event we were concerned about because of the whole timeline thing. Right. Um. So the 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 dire consequences were Jack using remember the package that PM is trying to hunt down, which is currently in Jack's office, is apparently this really powerful weapon which he took out. We haven't actually seen it yet. It happens off panel, but he takes it out and he uses it to cut off the Black Queen's finger and steal her ring and prototype himself out with all of the powers and mutations of the Colonel sprites. Right. Um, And then just another little thing is that we're meant to know, we're meant to infer that Dream Rose can actually understand what's going on with her uh, meow scribbles. Like, she has woken up on Durst. She can see that she's written meow all over her walls, and we're meant to infer that she understands that that's, like, a code for... Right, she can read the she can read the, the code. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, uh, did you say, what if we released a bonus episode of just us reading this out loud? Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I, my, my radio voice is just not, uh, pleasant enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, that's, um, th- that, those are good to know. Thanks for tuning me into those. Yeah. Um, it feels like a bit of that couldn't have been, like, figured out. I agree. I think it's, it's Hussie covering his own butt a little bit. Yeah, which is, you know, it's fine. It's a big, it's a big sprawling thing. It is. It is. Every, every author of something this big and sprawling is... I guess not guilty, but, like, does take advantage of opportunities to just be, like, exposition dump. Like, some, you know? Right. Yeah. But then we, okay, so then, <laughs> I think we had very different reactions to Hussey's sort of monologue about how he creates this comic in which he engages in some of his, like, a a really great example. Like, the epitome of his, like, hyperbolic wordplay. Yeah. Um, so my, my reaction to this was, like, to cringe, because it felt like, I felt secondhand embarrassment from him saying all these, like, self-aggrandizing things. Oh, okay, see, I, I read it as extremely facetious, so I found it very funny. And, and that's fair, because, like, on one of the next pages, um... He describes Homestuck as playfully self-depreciating. Or no, he describes this, like, this segment with him as playfully self-depreciating. Deprecating? Yeah. Yep, that's the word. Playfully self... (laughs) Don't worry about it. We all know. Playfully plop, 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 plop. Yeah, you're right. That's the sound that um, water balloons make when you drop a bunch of them out the window and they don't break. And yet weirdly self-aggrandizing. Yeah. And that's what it was. I like love it. I love I love that tone in particular um, because I don't know. I think it's something. It's I think it's a thing. I don't I don't quite do it. I certainly don't do it to this magnitude. But I like I like I like that like you only you go to like such extreme lengths to like talk about how great like your process is that it's just like clearly just. Can we read it? I really want to read it. <laughs> Yeah, you read it. Uh, okay, so the instigating action is um, the reader is supposed to be telling him, why don't you keep drawing Homestuck or something? And he's like, oh, but I don't really draw Homestuck. 
And then he says, type the little arrow symbol. I'm about to make a joke. I conjure this intrepid fantasy scape with tears bled from the wisdom-weary eyes of 50,000 imaginary musicians. Magicians, not musicians. I pull heavy drags from the brooms of inspiration. I have never read the word broom, B-R-U-M-E, anywhere before or since in this usage. Of inspiration with enchanted bellows marauded from a guild of churlish mythical dwarves. Vast, bulbous, uh, you know, I'm not going to read the rest of this thing, but it's really funny. It's all in caps. Every single word has, like, four syllables, and I find it immensely entertaining, and you should read it. Well, good. Yep. It is sort of its own argument not to ever read it out loud, though. <laughs> Alex is just like, I told you so. <laughs> Didn't even have to tell you so. Um, okay, so then we get a little funny gag where, um, he, he pastes the, um, like, the art of John, uh, spiraling away on his rocket underneath the um the fourth wall window mm-hmm. and then asks the the player to just flip the window around so that we leave him alone not only does he drag it underneath the fourth wall window he does it so we're looking through this fourth wall window at hussy meanwhile he's drawing the fourth wall window on the monitor that we can see through the window so he's dra- he's just dragging like one image under a photoshop layer and we can mm-hmm. see photoshop open and then we like back up and then we see him moving the image behind the actual window in actual comic view and then it it's really under- and it's really funny because it, it's literally just like why don't we see more of what john's doing and he's like okay what do you want me to draw <laughs> anyway then he then he yeah um basically Ed- calls it what it is and makes a uh, makes a comment about how he's going to get back to the story because if this website becomes any more self-aware and a playfully self-deprecating it weirdly self-aggrandizing manner you're going to go drown a bag of puppies in a sewer which is kind of unnecessarily violent but i, I get and the I, sentiment yeah i i don't have as like such a problem with that because it's such a like not it's not a sp- specific slight to anyone. It's just like a hyperbolic, uh, mean thing to do. Yeah. It's not, I have no, it's, that's one of those, like, I have no, like, political problem with it whatsoever. It just makes me really, really super sad to hear stuff like that, or like dead baby jokes, like. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the point. Like, that's, that's the idea. But like, it's not even funny to me. It just like, it makes me super sad. No, 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 it's funny, it's funny to the person who made you sad. Because they have their own issues. No, I hate it. That's they're mean. A, they're a sad sadist. Oh. That's, um, that's got two S's. Is that another alias of Jack Noir? <laughs> anyway. Back in the actual comic, um, Gallo's Calibrator is trolling John again, trying to get him to trust her. And she is the other uh, girl troll that we've met. Right. With, with like a squeakly M, uh sign on her shirt. Correct. And she is blind, but she can... No, no, she's not the blind one. Yes, yes, she is. Oh, sorry, I was thinking ahead to the other girl. No, yeah, she's the blind one. Yes. Right. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We don't know their names yet, so they're really hard to keep straight. I was just planning out our readings for Act 5 when we actually meet them all, and if it was hard for me before not to, to just name them, it's nigh impossible now. Um, but yeah, so Gallows Calibrator is talking to John. She wants to give him a map of his planet, and he's like, why should I trust you? 
and she, again, kind of doesn't really ever make a substantive case, as the trolls do, but John decides to trust her anyway. And uh, I do also want to point out, like, this is only, like, if you have been in the fandom or sort of had have observed the fandom pretty closely for some reason, like, first, like, they're really into this sort of small running gag of referring to, like, Gigas with a G and Gog with a G also, and we haven't met Gog yet, but... Okay. Um, I'm... I I feel like it began because of the first Pester Log where it's mentioned. I think it might just be a typo because it's Dave Sprite talking to GC and he says Jigus and I don't think she repeats it back to him. But then I think Hussey decided to run with it and turn it into a running joke uh, because now this is GC she makes a Jigus joke with John, and John kind of takes her up on it about, do you mean my Earth, Jesus? And she's just like, I don't know, do I? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was, like, intentional or not in the first instance on Hussie's part, but I like that this becomes, like, just a... The trolls miss her... Like, there was a communication error, and so they think that, like, Jigus is a holy name to invoke. Right, but, like, they, I think GC picks up pretty quickly that it is actually, like, a misspelling or something, and just, like, rolls with it. Yeah, exactly. John asks her, do you have a troll Jigus? And she's just like, John, we have the best troll Jigus, you don't even know. Um, but I just, I think it's funny because the first time that this came up, I was googling frantically and I could not find the origin of the word, and I'm, I am pretty confident that, like, this is the kind of thing, like, someone would have written a would have written a know your meme about or something, and, like, there's nothing. It just, it was a typo, and they ran with it. And it's, it's, like, a very, it's got a super noticeable presence as a running gag, and it, like, doesn't have an origin story. It just started. Well, I mean, it might be, like, a reference to, like, The Simpsons, like, they have a Jeebus, basically the same thing. Like... Where Homer, Homer says Jeebus instead of Jesus. Like, like, maybe, but, like... <laughs> but like Dave Sprite hasn't like they haven't always been saying Jigus and like it only happens with the trolls and like I think maybe in spirit it is the same it is like analogous but which I guess would make it an homage so yeah that's what I'm saying it's like a a subtle homage oh. maybe I don't think it's that important <laughs> Anyway, kind of scheme of things. I'm just, listen, um, the amount of time that I've spent trying to track down the origin of that stupid gag has made me very invested, my bad. Fair enough. Yeah. Then we get a Google map. Yeah, it's just a, it's a flash that looks like Google Maps, um, and it's a photorealistic map of um, Lo- Lois. Um, Lois the land, planet. Land, yeah, not Lois Griffin. Uh, land of Wind and Shade. Um, and by photorealistic, I mean it's, like, a real mountain range, uh, Photoshop blue. Yep. It's very pretty. I wish that it was a whole planet and you could actually explore it, but you can only zoom out so far. Yeah, I mean, that's probably understandable. Um, but, uh, GC is left to, like, geotags on it. Um, the first gate and the second gate, because she wants him to go right to the second gate. Um, and on each one, she's left a little note for him. But also, e- each one has, like, her talking head beside it. Um, but it also, she has 
like an arrow pointing at one saying, hi, this is me. Um, like, <laughs> which is strange. She has like an icon of her own head. Um, and she's like, hey, this is what I look like. Because he hasn't seen it, what the trolls look like yet. Right. But I don't know. I think it's reasonable to have it. I mean, if you imagine that that's like a cartoon, it's like a cartoon metaphor. And really, it's just like a selfie of some kind if you wanted to think of an analog. Yeah. I mean, what do you like put? Anyway. I, I wouldn't personally. That seems a little weird. But she's weird. She like licks colors to taste them. So That's fair. Um, then there's a joke that you're mad about. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I think it was funny. You use the word ruin. Oh, no, I just say that, um, so there's what looks like a loading screen, um, and, but, right, like, the text underneath it is, you, you like, you spend 20 minutes staring at this image before you realize it's not a flash file, um, which you, you only have to read to avoid doing. Right, but I don't know, if, depending on your screen resolution, um, you don't see the text immediately when you open the page, and so you're just waiting for that. Or you're not, you're not reading the text anyway, because you're just looking at, you are like, waiting for the flash to load. Right. And, uh... Well, either way, it only goes up to 9%, then cycles back. Yeah, but, I mean, you spend a while looking at it. I definitely, I definitely remember being fooled by it the first time. <laughs> But I was also yeah, I mean, reading was, it at, like, 4 a.m. I was fooled by it for, like, a couple of seconds. Nice. I'm still, actually, honestly, it gets me pretty much every time. <laughs> and I've gone through, like... Well, because I read the text immediately. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that we're not all so proactive as readers. <laughs> we just can't be as engaged. My bad. Uh, so then we get trolled, uh, as in we the readers. Then John actually does take... Um, GC's advice against perhaps his better judgment and goes through the second gate and it takes him to Rose's planet. Yeah, Lolar. Yeah. And he crashes right into her bedroom. Where she proceeds to, like, sleep through it. Yeah, um, so obviously some Dream Rose shenanigans are going on because she is not waking up. Mm-hmm. He names, uh, he spots Vodka Mutinity, who's, uh, awake and, you know, kind of interested in what's going on. He names him, um, Dr. Meowgon Spangler. Yeah. Which, okay, that's a... Can you explain the joke? I don't... I don't know. Okay, wait, hang on a second. I'm gonna Google Spangler. Uh, Dr. Spangler. Egon Spangler. He is a... The character from Ghostbusters. He's played by Harold Ramis. Sure. So, there you go, folks. I've never seen Ghostbusters. Oh my goodness! You have to, you know what you should do? You should watch the reboot first. Eh. That will give you a very unique perspective on it. Maybe. Or not. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so... Are you just, what, are you just not interested in the entire franchise? Kind of. Oh, come on, it's a really fun movie. Uh... I don't know. The whole the whole aesthetic of it kind of grosses me out. Really? I don't like 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 there's like slime and stuff. I don't like that. Huh. Okay. I hadn't even really thought about the slime. I was like, God, everyone's got like ridiculous like 1980s hair and like there's super goofy music and it's amazing. 
I'm not, I'm not big on slime. I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna hate Act Five. <laughs> oh boy. I'm okay with like a drawing of slime. Okay. Um. Just not photorealistic. I guess. Yeah, I feel that. I, I feel that. I, I never liked. I never liked the Nickelodeon like sliming. That sounds yeah, kind of yeah, disgusting. Me neither. Anyway. Um, and when they're when like all their branding is slime. Yeah, Jesus. It's like, ugh, okay, I got it. <laughs> I'm glad that we as a society have moved away from the, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like... Toys full of slime. Like, general, like, children love gross-out humor. Right. Thing. Like, no, they just like random, like... They just want to be surprised. They, you know, it doesn't have to be gross. It just has to be unconventional. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, so, um, Dave Sprite kind of explains how the gates work to John. Um, and I'm going to try to run this down. Yeah. So, um, the way that they work is, he says it's like a round robin. Mm-hmm. So basically you take, uh, so Lois 1, which is like the first gate that we went through. Um, that leads to Lois 2, which we just went to. And that brings you out on the other side at Lolar 2. Which is where Rose is. Correct. From there, they have to build up to Lolar 3. And then they'll have to go to Lolar 4. And that will take them through the other side to uh, where Dave is, which is Lohak. And that'll be Lohak 4. Almost. Okay. So it's, um, it's the, like, John's, so John's, like, the Loas 1 and 2. There's only, like, two gates on each planet, Right. So John goes through his first and second, and then he ends up at Rose's second, because the second gate is down on the planet, and um, has to build up, has to go up, like, her house to the first, which will take him to... Oh, nope, that's backwards. Anyway, I think there's only two gates on each planet, and I think it's, like, the first and second that you go through. So it does take him to the first... Gate, right, because he crashed into her house, so, like, I guess that would be the first gate, and then... Oh, okay, so it, so it takes him to uh, Lolar 1. Then. Right, or it takes him, yeah, because remember, the first gate is very high above the house, so it took him to where that gate would be, uh, and he only didn't fall to his death because he had a rocket pack on. Right, okay. So, yeah, so that's his first gate, so then he has to go find, like, Rose's second gate, his third, right? And yeah. then that will take him to Dave's first gate, his fourth gate, etc. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's not actually all that important. The point is he's going to go through all his friends' worlds. He's going to go to, to Rose's world, then Dave's world, and then presumably to Jade's, Jade's world. Right. Um, then John is like, um, can I talk to the real Dave? Yeah. And Dave's right is, uh, like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a real Dave. Like, I'm, I'm actually more experienced. Like, I, I was alive for a year longer. Uh, and that really sucks that you said that to me. Yeah, he was like, I am the real Dave, you know, the one who saved your life. Yeah. Um, and then he, he's like, he gives John a code from the future, not like he fucking deserves it. (laughs) Dave's words. Yeah. Um, Dave's feelings are really hurt by this, and he's like, I mean, he's Dave, so he's deadpanning, but, like, his feelings are really, really, he's really messed up about this. Yeah, um, so then... John does talk to uh, Dave Prime. Well, that's what I'll call him for the time being. Sure. Um, 
who says, don't worry about it, I wouldn't give a shit, and he's me. Mm, and I think that that is either current Dave being callous, or I am inclined to believe that it is current Dave refusing to engage with his own feelings. I, I feel almost like he, he believes it more than Dave Sprite does, because Dave Sprite's been through a lot more uh, trauma. Yeah, I think so too. I, I get the impression that this is the beginning, and and we'll see, more gets done with this. I find Dave himself kind of boring, but this whole, ins- like, arc of, you know, I'm you, I have the same kind of relationships with your friends as you do, and I've done all of this stuff for them, and, like, I've also gone through a lot of trauma that, like, you'll never be able to really understand. Yeah, um, and probably, like, Dave's right, like, doesn't take them for granted, like Dave might and right. we'll just be like probably we'll diverge into a more emotionally open person. That's what I'm guessing. It's interesting. I don't remember exactly how that arc plays out, and I think actually it may continue to play out in a bunch of the homestuck that I have not read. Okay. So but this isn't I don't know, this is one of the more interesting character arcs. Yeah. Um and then um John does apologize or so he says thank you to Dave Sprite. Like thanks for saving my life. Yeah. Of course, like, how do you, how do you thank someone enough, or how do you apologize enough for that? But he does, like, I mean, as much as would be, I guess, appropriate, he does. Yeah, just kind of, um, casually is like, hey, sorry, I said that. Mm -hmm. You are real. Thanks for saving my life. Which is sweet. Yeah. Then Dave goes and copies the code, the capture code. He tricks John to showing, like, to Dave's sort of server player view the CAPTCHA code for Rose's, like, secret journals. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it was mean. Yeah. So Dave now has the ability to make copies of Rose's journals. Right. Um, so I take issue here, I don't know, this makes an excellent, like, an interesting point about, um, can I go on a tangent about, like, information theory? I guess so. (laughs) That was kind of out of of left field. Well, like, okay, so it's not really about information theory. I know what information theory is, but I don't really super know the details. But, like, okay, so, like, we're... I'll... It's already kind of far-fetched that these capture codes contain enough information to create these physical objects, right? And their entire, like, chemical composition and arrangement and everything. Well, it's like... What? It's like ten... Ten spaces, like character spaces. Yeah, and so it's it's ten. It's um, it's what thirty six to the tenth, then. Um, possibilities. Is it factorial or what? No, it's it's um, it's you raise so the number of digits that you have for each. I took discrete math. Each um, (laughs) each digit place. If it doesn't matter, if you can have repeated digits, then just each digit place, like however many possibilities there are for that place, um. Mm -hmm you just raise that, like, you multiply it by itself for the number of digit places you have, so you just raise it to the power of the digit number. So if it's if it's 36 or 40 whatever digits, because it's, um, uh, or I guess it would be 52 plus 10 plus, like, 5, so, like, about 60 characters per pl- spot, so that's still, so that's 60 to the 10th, which is a big number. Uh, yeah. There's more elements than that. Plus, there's, like, magic implicated here. Plus, there is a literally infinite number of, okay, maybe it's sort of constrained, but then you're operating in physical space, so really things aren't truly constrained, so you're, this is, you've got essentially infinite possibilities. 
it doesn't really work out. But but so even if you accept the conceit that somehow these capture codes do encode things like uh, backpacks and fantastic weapons and whatever, there is yeah. even more information stored in a journal. Because, like, not only do you have its entire, like, physical um, arrangement, but, like, there is also... Um, but, no, but the information is a physical arrangement. It's just, like, layers of graphite. Like, it is, but, like, I don't know, it seems... I mean, it's obviously, like, it's it's absurd and, like, far-fetched. It, like, is, but that's, like, I don't know, it just kind of, like, also, boggles me. I, no, yeah, but I, I feel like, kind of, the... Part of the reasoning behind it is, like... This like the world, the real world that they live in is implied to be kind of a game world, um, which would not account for like individual atoms. Right. There are discrete numbers of yeah. Units. Objects are like discrete entities in ways that they are not in the real world. That's true. Which I mean is is kind of a kind of like a a lazy workaround, but well, I feel like that's. I feel like that's what Huzzy would say. It's either a lazy workaround or an interesting conceit, which I think is a, a pretty common theme in this right. comic. Yeah. Yeah, interesting conceit yeah. is a better word for it. Um, anyway, so he, so he basically steals her journals, which is, I don't like that. John himself is like, I'm not going to open her journals. Like, don't ask me to do that. And John, Dave's like, oh, you should snoop through her stuff. He's like, I'm not going to snoop through her stuff. Yeah. He does look at her bookshelf because, you know, that's being displayed, sort of, and he does open... <laughs> he says information is meant to be shared. Yeah. But, okay, so before he does that, we uh, we get a little interlude of um, Rose up on Durst. She's awake. Dream Rose. Mm-hmm. Which, she's alive, by the way. <laughs> oh, right. It's also yes, nice right. to know, despite going through that whole uh, separate timeline thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, okay, so she's alive, and we might want to infer that she can remember a little bit about that timeline, because if you remember their last, Dave and Rose's last conversation, they were talking about, um, oh, maybe, Dave said to Rose, maybe you'll wake me up this time, and we won't have to go through such a song and dance again. And she does. (laughs) And she does. And yeah, um, I think it's fair to say that, that she has some recollection of that timeline, because she goes up to Dave's window on Durst, and just kind of gives him a fond look. Well, she chucks a ball of yarn at him to wake him up. And then gives him a fun look. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really cute. It's really cute, you guys. These characters... So, so John and Rose are in the same room in the medium right now, but Rose is asleep. So this is the first time two, like, conscious characters are meeting each other for real, and it's really cute. They just hang out in Dave's room, and and they, they listen to music. They jam. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm jumping ahead also, a little bit in that, because that happens a little bit further on in their reading, but that's uh-huh. chronologically what happens next. And also, uh, there's a dream Cal there. Cal, Cal is here. Yeah, he moves around on his own. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, he's here. <laughs> oh, I don't think I mentioned um, that in Hussey's room, there was, a, like, a real Cal photoshopped into into his room. Yeah, there was, a, like, a photo of, like, someone made a cowl, like, a, a plush cowl. And, yeah. Uh, and it, God, it's unsettling. Yeah, and <laughs> it was, like, moving around, like, of its own volition in fiction. Yep. Like, in Hussey's room, and that made me really... Ugh. 
Yeah, that puppet, like, honestly, like, he's set up as super creepy, and I don't find him super creepy initially, but then, like, the, the longer this comic goes on, like, the creepier he gets. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. He kind of, like, he, he hits, like, a clown vibe for me, mm. which is not great, and then he's also just, like, intentionally creepy. Yeah. And also just, like, a gross white rapper caricature yeah it's like that's it's like bad and like i i think i think that is kind of being used specifically to amplify the creepy factor yeah you know like like just the the like jangling kind of like i don't know that it was i don't know how explicit that intention was but i do think that like it's it's, oh god, it's this sort of multi-layered thing where it's like, okay, so that is kind of racist by, like, you know, painting, like, hip-hop tropes as clownish, but then it is also sort of critiquing the genuine clownishness of, like, white folks who have no business doing it, like, appropriating it. Mm-hmm. And it's... I don't know. I don't know that any of that was ex- an explicit intention in constructing this gag, but it sure does make it creepy. It sure does. Um, yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to talk more about it. I think we've de- yeah. deconstructed it sufficiently. Yeah. Um, also, in uh, Dave's room on Durst, there is um, scrolls on the wall, and they are Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff. Yep. Like in neon <laughs> colors. Yeah. The the um. The JPEG artifacts he, like, lovingly rendered on the walls. Yeah, they look like, like, glow stick residue. Oh, God, yeah. Like, glow stick finger paintings. Oh, man, those things get so gross, though. Because <laughs> they, like, s- start to fade, and then it's like, you know, talk about, like, not liking slime? Like, bleh. So, uh, we're getting back to John hanging out in Rose's room, and he takes a look at her bookshelf. There's a funny gag about this Ocean Charles being a book by American sports legend Charles Barkley, philosophy tome. And then he finds his gift from her that she had not gotten to send yet, and he figures it's okay to open that because it's really for him anyway. Yeah. Um, And this gift is, um, well, it's the Con Air Bunny. Um, (laughs) And it's it's very old and uh, looks almost burnt. Mm Mm-hmm. and clearly has time traveled, in my opinion. Uh, and she's she's Frankensteined it with um, purple striped yarn. So like half of its body is uh, new purple striped yarn, and the other half is like charred uh, stuffed bunny flesh. Um, and she says that it's like she's had it forever, and it's always been too delicate to wash or, or fix. So she's she's uh, saved its life. And that she thinks it's a nice gesture to him because he's the one who taught her how to knit. And it's really sweet. It's really beautiful. They, I love these kids' friendships. Like, they're so... Especially in, like, like the birthday gifts are just, like, so much concentrated, like, affection. Yeah. Yeah, these friendships are really, like, I don't know. People talk about... It just, I see, I feel sometimes, like, when people talk about, like, Homestuck and the things that make it interesting, like, yeah, there's, like, all of the weird metatextual stuff, and, like, yeah, there's, like, it's, it's sprawl and whatever, but, like, honestly, the, the reason, the reason that I read it is, A, it's funny, and B, like, the relationships between the characters are so, like, 
they're so like genuine in a lot of ways, and they they're very like touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sweet. Um, so the we get a couple of pages of the text kind of skirting around the the possibility of it being the same bunny, which it is. Um, Definitely. <laughs> and then John um, deploys Casey the Salamander, who has, is in his Silodex and who is holding the other bunny. Right, which doesn't cause a time paradox, which is kind of nice. Well, he doesn't take the bunny out of, of his Silodex. He just takes her out. Oh, I see. So I don't know. I don't know if they would count as the same object anymore. No. So different. It's okay. That's not how paradoxes work in this universe. It's only okay. if you tried to purify something that, like, has to be somewhere else for some reason, then you get, like, slime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so then, um... Oh, then G.A. Then we witnessed G.A.'s first conversation with Rose. If you remember, she hinted that, uh, this is Grim Auxiliatrix. She hinted that she got an impression from Rose that she wasn't all that intelligent. Oh, yeah. And it's because, her, from her perspective, her first conversation with Rose is actually John answering for her, which normally would be kind of messed up, but it's a troll, so I feel like mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind if I was being persistently trolled by someone and my friend answered them for me. I think that would be kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, they that's have a conversation. A very, and John... That's a very, like, real 13-year-old thing to do. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. Do you, do you remember people, like, posting... Facebook yeah. statuses for you. You got hacked. <laughs> oh, man. My fave. That never happened to me. I didn't have enough friends. Oh. I don't think it ever happened to me. I think I did do it to a few people. <laughs> they, and they appreciated it. That's nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so yeah. <laughs> go. <laughs> Sorry. Go, go, go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is GA's first combo with Rose. Um, and... They just there's a lot of banter here on John's part, and GA just kind of doesn't know how to handle it. She's like, "I thought you were the smart one. Like, is this your human sarcasm?" Which is so funny because if you compare it to just a few conversations later from her perspective, earlier from Rose's perspective, she's already like becoming quite witty. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good. We have that conversation, and then we switch views to the veil. The veil in the trolls instance. So we see like the the room where they are. The room where it happens. The room where it's happening, man. <laughs> the room where they're making this happen. Right, that that's the one. Oh, um God. I'm sorry. So we, <laughs> so we see GA and we see um uh CG and G C on the sides, I think. Um, so Grim Auxiliar Tricks, and then we see... We see Adios Toreador mm-hmm. on one side, and then... Um, Gallows Calibrator on the other. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just, it's it's quite easy to distinguish them based on their initials in text, but when you're saying it out loud, they all sound the same. Yeah, it's actually not for me. It's not easy to distinguish them by their initials in text. Okay. Um, but we, we meet Twin Armageddons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, unsurprisingly, has got the Gemini, uh astrological symbol on his t-shirt. That's what I assumed it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think... So he's he's the one setting up these uh, computer terminals for all the other trolls to use. 
Um, but he doesn't want to troll the humans themselves. He thinks that's a waste of time. So he's probably the hacker that um, GC was talking about earlier. Correct. We should specify that the reason he's not into trolling the humans is because he thinks it's pointless, because he has known for a while now that the trolls are all going to die. And apparently they didn't believe him for a long time, and now they did. Mm-hmm. So that's like a piece of information to know, is that these, these alien children are hurtling toward their doom. Right. Yep. That's fun. Um, so yeah, he has, um, he has a, a Gemini logo. Um, he has these, like, 3D glasses on, like the red and blue lens ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has uh, two pairs of horns. They're kind of like... They're like two normal horns, and then underneath each one is a smaller horn. Right. Because Gemini. Yeah. Um, so he's, like, very... He's twin-themed. He also has um, one black and one white shoe. Yeah. Um, and he uh, his typing quirk is really annoying. Um yeah. Every every I gets doubled. Uh-huh. Um, every S gets turned into a two, and every the word two, as in go to there, uh, gets turned into the number two spelled out. Yeah. So instead of like go, yeah, instead of T O or the number two, it's T W O. Yeah. Do you remember how I said that? that how the obnoxiousness of reading a troll's typing quirk is roughly proportional, is, like, inversely proportional to its, um... Like, the readability of a typing quirk is directly proportional to a troll's importance. Uh. So it's not like he's not important, because, like, this is a sprawling cast, and everybody actually has pretty important roles to play, but he's not the mo- He's not one of the most important ones. Right. Yep. But, uh, although, uh... Gallo's Calibrator seems really important, and hers is kind of the hardest for me to follow so far. Oh boy. Wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly, I kind of want to make, like, or actually, I am certain this exists already, um, like a a Chrome extension that just um, translates each of the typing quirks. Like, just (laughs) pawnify it. That's like cheating. I mean, like, it is, and it does sort of hamstring it, but, like, I don't know, maybe if you have, like problems with reading or something, like, that might be really helpful. That's true. I'm sure it exists already, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we go back to the Durst streamers. We already talked about this. They're jamming out in their room. Yeah. Getting some creepy um, close-ups. But now we see the ending of that scene, which is uh, Rose throwing Cal out the window. Oh, right, yes. Uh, she is uh, just having none of it and uh, pitches it out the window. Um, then we, um, then we cut to, well, okay, then we get Rose, be the pony. Mm-hmm. Remember the pony? So, Rose has a pony. There's, like, a, a real live horse, uh, who was in Rose's house the whole time. Yup. That we forgot about. Or at least I forgot about completely. Yeah. Um, and it has followed Rose's mom, which is strange because she was, like, in a boat, in a small rowboat. Mm-hmm. So I assume that the horse was also in the boat. Don't worry or about it. Just, it's swam there. Okay. This is fine. Um, but anyway, um, the boat has been washed up on this small island with a an, a doorway to in like buried in the sand. Um, and the horse follows Rose's mom into this uh, ruin, basically. And inside, there are turtle engravings on the walls. Which is simi- similar to the... Uh, the frog temple. 
the, with the illegal imagery. Yeah, <laughs> the illegal frog imagery. Um, yeah, oh, it's really cute. Rose's mom has gone through a trauma. Well, okay, first of all, Maplehoof discovers this enormous grist hoard, like a bunch of crystals that are like many times bigger than this pony. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the thing you're meant to infer is uh, Rose's mom, we saw her fighting a big monster and it wasn't made explicit, but Rose's mom was, was battling and has now killed Rose's denizen. Defeated the denizen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, interesting because that's supposed to be like the final boss of each world, right? Yep. That's like, that's what John was going to get killed by, it was his denizen. Exactly. So, wow. Rose's mom is good at things. Yeah. Um, and luckily, apparently, Maplehoof Maple Maple can collect all this grist for Rose. Yeah. Um, but there's so much of it that um, it basically maxes out some of her, like, grist counters in her inventory. Um, and some of it goes into the grist gutter, um, which will uh, dole out the extra grist through the grist torrent to the other players. So that's... That's nice. I'm, like, so bored of that mechanic. That's so unnecessary to, like, dwell on it as much as... I, I, I feel like... I feel like, um, at, like, this is kind of saying, like, look, we have so much grist, don't worry about it anymore. That's true. It's a nice way to just not, not talk about it. Yeah. So that's good. Um... Um, and Maplehoof just misses the mom, who, um, is transportalizing away somewhere. But Maplehoof decides to follow. But Maplehoof is worried about being bisected by a, a transportalizer meant for bipeds, so it stands up on its hind legs. Yeah. That's really cute. And uh, so they transportalize away, and then... Um, we stop... Rose stop being the horse. John start being the hat. Yep. So now we're the hat. Um, and this is the hat that was um, summoned by John on uh, Lois. Uh, Via the parcel the, Pixis. Yes, the mail system there. And the breeze carries it right to Dad, who has also found uh, a shoe, through which he was missing one of. Yeah, because remember, we, J- uh, John put put a shoe in as well. He got yeah, those tablets. And we did that. Yeah, that was us in the game. <laughs> we helped Dad. It me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so or actually, actually, it was PM. Actually, it was PM. Actually, it was John. Well, it was PM telling John. It was PM controlling John. Right. Kind of. It was us controlling PM, controlling John. This comic. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, Dad is very grateful for his new wardrobe and looks up in time to spot Grandpa Harley clutching a copy of Colonel Sassaker. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just have a quick question. Yeah. Um, We've seen this horse that's linked to Rose and this hat and Colonel Sassaker that's linked to John. Are these the Guardians? No. Okay. No. It's the mom and the dad. Oh, I thought you said they weren't quite. It's, they are, I, it's the, the, the word guardian, like, there's sort of, like, there's sort of two meanings of that word, as I understand it. Okay. Um, and we will learn the other one later. I see. Um, so yeah, so, um, dad and grandpa both go into this, this other underground place on Lois, and they transportalize somewhere else. Right, and we don't know where yet. No. Then, uh, then we got back to John, who's trying to use the code that Dave Sprite gave him, 
and uh, the weapon, the uh, fear no anvil that he wants to make is like the size of a house, uh, and it's too expensive to make right now. So he's gonna um, he makes a like a scaled down version of it, and it's a pretty dope looking hammer. It's got time powers. Yeah, so this is a nice like payoff for the like really long sequence of uh, Dave and Rose kind of messing around with um, Rose's alchemizer. Right. Um, giving it all those add-ons. And basically what that meant is that John can take this huge hammer that he can't afford and make a smaller version, which he can't afford, and it's handheld. Right. Because um, he's lost his little ghost gloves, I think. Yeah. Um, so it turns out... Oh, no, he has, the, he has the gloves. He has them, they just wouldn't be enough. Right. To hold this enormous hammer, yeah. Right. I, and he's lost, like, the hammer that he was using those for. Right, right. The Sasa Crusher. Right. So then then John is asking Dave Sprite, like, where did you get this? And um, Dave's, Dave of Dave Sprite is like, hey, I got it from Hephaestus, who is, he says, a really tough-to-kill dude. And, uh... John asks, um, wait, so how did you beat him? I thought, like, that would be really difficult. And, uh, he was like, I didn't have to kill him. Well, he, no, well, what he says specifically is, did you kill him to get it? Uh, and Dave Sprite says, I didn't kill him to get it. Um, which made it seem to me like he killed him anyway. Hang on a second. We're going to fact check. <laughs> okay, so the conversation goes... John says, I thought you couldn't use hammers. And Dave goes, I can't. Better be, though. Like, better be a powerful hammer. I got it from Hephaestus. John says, who's that? Dave tells him, he's a really tough-to-kill dude. And John asks him, you killed him for it? And Dave just says, nope. And John's like, how'd you get it then? Dave says, shenanigans. Yeah. This will be interesting. Pay attention to this later on. Okay. But yeah, um, Hephaestus, that's that's interesting. Remember how so, Dave's browser's name is Hephaestus? Yes. So my guess is that that's the name of um, Dave's denizen. Okay. You say don't answer, so, like, I can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I know. Um, and we know he's not the Guardian. Okay. Um, so, now we go back to Dream Rose, who, um, who can see on Dave's, on Dream Dave's monitor that John is on her, at her house. And that makes her wake up. Yeah. Um, and so she goes, uh, up, oh, wait, that's... In a little bit. Much later, we will see her back in her house. But um, before then, we get to see how the trolls are actually talking to the kids. Like, we actually get to see the track client. Yeah. Um, so, the track client's called Trollium. Yep. Which, um, that's a goof on Trillion, but I never use that, so I don't... I don't know if it's, like, it looks like Trillion. It's a goof on Trillion, which is further a goof on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. Good. Well, Trillion was, like, a real, like, uh, chat client. But I think it it was not a chat... Was it, which came first, the Hitchhiker's Guide character or the chat client? Oh, the, the character. Okay. 
Yeah, it was just, like, named after her. Right, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So, like, the chat client is a goof on Hitchhiker's Guide. And then right. this chat client is a goof on the real-life chat client. Right. Yep. Um, so, the list of uh, humans is called the Trump Roll, instead of the Trump Roll. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we can see timelines represented as arrows, and they just point mm-hmm. straight. But, um, you can see that, uh, there's, like, a gray bar underneath the arrow of each kid that, uh, turns black when they, at the point where they enter the medium. Right. And then the trolls can click on those arrows kind of wherever they want and interact with them at that point in the timeline. Yeah, so that, um, that makes sense. That makes more sense than, um... Well, I guess it, it's kind of a bit more disappointing than what I imagined, which was them scrolling through, uh, like, clicking through the archives of their MSPA. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even more meta. That'd be pretty sick, you're right. Like, if they, like, if the, the, the visuals of the humans that they saw were, like, those terribly drawn, like, MS Paint yeah. pictures, <laughs> that would be really good. True. Um, but no, this seems more practical. But yes, um, so they do see images of the kids similarly to like the, how the server players see it. There's a whole, there's a whole saga of um, Grim Auxiliatrix is trying to open the viewport, can't figure out how to do it, and is trying to get Twin Armageddon's to do it for her. And he's like, "No, I'm busy. Like, you should be able to figure this out yourself." He's like, "Press F1," and she throws her F1 key at his head. <laughs> make him set it up for her. And the bottom line is she gets the viewport open and she can see the kids at whatever point she wants to talk to them. Right. Meanwhile, what she uses it for is to look at Rose. And so we actually go to that point in Rose's story where she's, uh, she's waking up in her room, which John has just left though. He's still in her house. And, um, well, he's on the, the balcony outside with the, uh, the thing, the alchemizer. Right. Um, so yeah, she, uh, she walks towards the door, um, and is about to, uh, uneventfully walk out the door. We could say a bucket of gushers dumped on her head. Yeah. As a little prank. I as a, a thoughtful but mischievous thank you gesture. Yeah. But unfortunately, just as she gets, um, as she gets ready to head upstairs, John is strapping on his rocket pack and saying, well, I guess Rose isn't gonna wake up anytime soon, so I'm gonna... Rock it away. Bounce. And so she, yeah. we we just see Rose, like, watching him go. Yeah, and it's really sad. It is really sad, but um, I also kind of noticed that, like, so, I don't know, the moment when John is, like, rocketing off, he's, like, found this new little kitten that he's, like, named, and he's got his rocket pack on, and he's on this new planet, and he's about to go find the next gate, like, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like it really nicely captures this, like, sense of, like, adventure, that, yeah, like, it is. Yeah. I think, I kind of feel like the reason, like, I figured out one of the reasons why, like, this comic kind of lost me later on, and I think it was the loss of the, it all, like, because everything is so orchestrated, like, once we got to the part of the story where it was just tying up loose ends for many thousands of pages, like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how that unfolds. Like, it's really interesting, but it doesn't have any of that sense of adventure anymore. That's interesting. So. Um... Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, but it's okay. I think I'll be into it when I get when we get back to it with this with this podcast. I'll be pretty excited to find out how it ends. Right. Um, also, a couple episodes ago, I I guessed that um, the kids always miss each other and never actually meet face to face while they're awake, and you said that was a sore subject. 
So I'm going to guess that this continues to happen. It keeps happening. You guys. <laughs> what? It keeps happening. Yes. This comic. <laughs> uh, so Rose watches him go. Meanwhile, up on Durst, little Cal is falling out the window. Dave's watching him fall. And happens to land on a convenient passing hoverboard. Yeah. Um, yeah, that confused me for a second. Yeah, it's bro's um, hoverboard. Hoverboard. It's bro's hoverboard. Um, and uh, the question is, how did it get there? But I guess it just um, kept rocketing off from wherever bro lost it. Right. Which we don't know yet. Right. But meanwhile, the authority regulator, who's like will be AR in the future, he uh, he looks up and he spots this puppet riding a hoverboard, and he's like, this is definitely illegal, and, like, goes and intervenes. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and yeah, you said you mentioned there's something particularly funny about calling things like this illegal. <laughs> it is really good. It's a good word for, like, like, unaccept- like, um, like lemon grab saying unacceptable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hear it in sort of a, a lemon, a lemon grabby voice. For sure. It's illegal! Um... So then, uh, so then AR is, is tailing this hoverboarding puppet. Meanwhile, John is, uh, rocket, like, jetpacking over the ocean on Lolar with this kitten that he's just befriended, and oh my god, I want to be John right now. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to have a rocket pack and fly over this beautiful ocean planet in the sunshine with a beautiful kitty. That's interesting, because, um, I feel very strongly that I would not want to be anyone in this comic. I would not want to be in this comic. Well, I wouldn't want the overarching circumstances, but if I could just have that experience in a vacuum, like if I could just explore Lolar like with a rocket pack and a kitten, right. oh hell yeah. <laughs> Sign me way up. Right. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. And then So then John's flying around and he spots Mom's boat. Mm-hmm. So he sets down on this island, and he sees the foot, the hoof steps um, going up to the temple. The hoof steps. And then, yep. uh, so he heads inside, and unlike Maplehoof, who found it pretty much un, uh, uninhabited, he runs into some monsters, and we get to see how powerful his new hammer is. Yeah, it seems like it has uh, cool time powers. Yeah, it does. He, he conducts a crazy damage bonk. <laughs> um, that's pretty fun. He, uh, he spots a, uh, a platform, which is a transportalizer. He's never seen one before, but he spots one, and he goes and stands on it, and it transports him to the veil. Yep. Whoops. Yep. Not the troll's veil. Their own veil in the kids' session. Yes. Um, and I just noticed as it was kind of, as the, as I, re- I was, as I was writing down that he was with Vodka Mutini. And he's where Mom and Maplehoof just were. That all of Rose's, like, companions have M names. I'm wondering if that's significant or just a coincidence. Oh, I think that might just be a a coincidence, actually. Okay. Because, I mean, Jasper's doesn't, uh... Oh, you're right, yeah. But Meow does. That's an interesting, uh, interesting coincidence, though. Well, it's not, uh, it's not a letter of the... Genetic alphabet, so it doesn't matter. That's true. Um, but so John finds himself in this asteroid lab, and there's like, oh boy, it's... Alex, tell us about this place. Well, um, it's all gray. 
It's all in grayscale. Um, and there is basically a central, like, column of these, um, these big, like, glass vats, basically. Like, like in a classic, like, science fiction cloning lab, there's these huge, um, chess pieces in the middle. And then in these smaller vats around them are these, uh, humanoid figures that are kind of suspended in these, uh, chambers. Yeah, these, like, vats of fluid. Yeah, so that's where I assume that the, uh, minions are being, uh, engineered, as we learned about last time. Yeah, dude. And and they're being prototyped from those, uh, chess pieces. Which is interesting, because there's also, there's black and white pieces there. Right, because you remember we learned that the veil is neutral territory. Mm-hmm. So they both kind of use the... Which makes sense. That that explains why it's all gray. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's just meant to make it look, it's sort of industrial, but that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, And there's also, John, when John gets there, he's on this, like, row of transportalizers, like, along the wall. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. It seems like a central point. Right. There's also some crap lying around the uh, the lab. Yeah, there's, uh, well, Maplehoof, who's not crap, but, you know. Um... There's the Colonel Sassiker book, uh, the old hat that Dad had, and Cal is there. Right. So it, so it's so it seems like all of these transportalizers that people have been going into this reading have been landing them here. Right, but they've already had time to disperse, so who knows where they've mm-hmm. gone. Right. Um, John uh, John spends many panels just asking what the hell is going on here, looking at these enormous... Because, I mean, they're like, they're like two-story tall that's full of, like fetal chess piece creature. It's, like, right. creepy. It is. Um, he also sees uh, a little stand with um, some clothes on it that are, seem perfectly tailored for him, uh, including a belt with his Slimer uh, logo. So he just um, puts it on. He just puts it on. He equips the junior ectobiologist lab suit. Mm-hmm. It's less cool looking uh, than his last one. I am. It is. It's like it's like bright green. Yeah. Like like a like a like slime green. Yes. Which is like the evil version of lime green. <laughs> Dark lime green. Show me slime green. <laughs> yeah. Um, dark. Well, dark lime green is just like a different kind of green. Anyway, um, he sees a terminal, um, a monitor with four screens on it. Just like WVs, and he recognizes it. No, we but, recognize it. He has—he's never seen it before. Well, the text says this looks familiar. Yeah, he's I, that he's addressing the reader. That's not him. Okay. Yeah, in that case, All you're right. meant to assume that it's because because John is is still going through his what the hell is going on here, right? Situation. Um, then we we pop away from John and we're back to. AR, who we can see, like, has followed Cal on this hoverboard, and I guess he left Cal in the lab, because remember, they all transportalized to the same place. He's taken the hoverboard outside, and he's just, uh, he's just popping wheelies. Yeah, off of meters, or asteroids. Yeah. You know, like you do. Yeah, these hops are unlegal, are, these hops, excuse me, these hops are unreal shit, this flagrant should be illegal, it probably is, but you don't care. (laughs) Even though you're an authority regulator. Well, he's in the veil. He's in, he is in the veil, it's true. No man's land. Mm. Then uh, then we go to PM, who's about to get on her shuttle from uh, Prospect, 
onto the battlefield to go talk to the White King, and behind her, like, a hat just keeps growing into the frame. It just keeps, there's a lot of it, it's all vertical. Yeah, and usually this would be, like, a, a gif, like, showing the hat rising, um, but it's, like, four separate pages of just the hat rising up. Um, and it is, it's Club Stoose. It's CD. Yeah. Court, he's courtyard roll. Um, and his hat is like, he's the short one, remember? And his hat is like four times taller than he is. It's amazing. He's got, it's, like a, it's got little kitty cat ears on it too. Yeah. It's like, it's like a princess slash jester slash kitty hat. Oh, it's amazing. And he, uh, despite being like incredibly conspicuous, he manages to pickpocket PM and, uh, mm-hmm. snags the ring from her. Yeah, the, uh, yes, the royal ring with four pearls around it. Right. Which is what um, she was bringing to the battlefield to learn how to, like, store it for safekeeping. Right. Um. PM has no and, idea. Yeah, PM gets on her shuttle, uh, without the ring. Right. Um, and so, uh, CD calls in to, um, DD? The Draconian Dignitary. Draconian Dignitary. Yep. Slash Diamond Stroog. Right. Um, who says, okay, we're all set up. Um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, well, so now he's going as the Sovereign Slayer. No, the the other other guy. Oh, Hearts Boxcar. I don't remember his, um, his yeah. name. So yeah, so he's like, okay, this guy's set up, and uh, Sovereign Slayer is ready to, ready to roll with our plan. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, so Jack Noir slash Spade Slick is now Sovereign Slayer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you said, because wait, oh, I absolutely forgot they exist in the same plane of reality? I, that happens when, uh, Jade slams into the panel and kicks CD in the face. Yes! Oh, she gets to do so much good action here! Yeah, so I, I forgot that, um, the Dream Kids are on the same uh, planets that these uh, machinations are happening on. Yeah, dude, isn't it weird to see... I think this is the first time we've seen a human and one of these, um, like, chess piece people. Well, like, way back, like, when we first saw Dream Jade, we saw, like, PM looking up at her. Right. But we didn't, like, they didn't interact, and we didn't really know what was going on, or at least I didn't. Right. But now she's clobbering them. Yeah, so she, like... She beats CD in a major way. <laughs> it's it's kind of, I mean, it's actually kind of sad, because CD has no idea what the hell he's doing. He's, like, a very yeah. innocent boy, but, um... He's, he's, he's the bumbling one. Yeah. Well, the bumbling one who, like, th- like put bombs on people's heads. Yeah, I mean, like, he he's working for the bad guys, but... He <laughs> likes, he likes... You know, Diamond's Drew tells him he can take off his, like, princess getup. And he's like, no, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also... Um, when Dream Jade is beating, uh, CD up, uh, on Earth. It's still on Earth now. Uh, no, um, so she's beating, oh, Dream Jade is beating up CD on Prospect while Earth, while, Jade, while Earth's dream bot Jade right. is beating up, um, her the taxidermied grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you do. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, we see that she does successfully get the ring from him. Mm-hmm. 
uh um, and then she's gonna put it on. Whoa. Except nah. Well, we see a chalk drawing of Jade all prototyped. Right. And then it's like, uh, it's okay, never mind, it doesn't work on humans. It's fun to pretend, though. Yeah. Like, of course, I think the implication is meant to be, like, this is Jade's imagination. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very cute. And that's the end, right? Yeah, that's all it is. So that's all there is, and we don't have any listener questions this week, right? Well, aside from the first one that we did quickly at the beginning. Right. So we have already handled that one. Um, we... Would like to hear from you, though. So if you want to send us an ask on Tumblr, we are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com. On Twitter, we are at hamsteakpodcast. If you want to ask something with spoilers for some reason, I obviously won't be able to say the spoilers out loud. But if you're worried about spoiling Alex, you can send me a DM. I am Brickchip on Tumblr, or you can send me an ask. Or no, excuse me. Well, I'm Brickchip on Tumblr and Twitter. You can send me an ask on Tumblr, or you can send me a DM on Twitter. You can also send her a DM on Tumblr now with this fancy... Tumblr messaging. You know you could, but the little alert sound kind of psychs me out. Actually, I think it's more reliable than asks, so maybe do send me a DM on Tumblr. You should turn the sounds off. Uh, I mean, I usually just keep my computer on mute anyway. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, meanwhile, am on Twitter as Crunchleaf and Tumblr as LeafCrunch. Um... And that is... I think that's it. That's the end, yeah. Next week, we are gonna be, um... We are going to be telling you about wrapping up Act 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting to the so, end. So is 5, like, does that, is, is 5 where it starts having acts within the acts? Uh, yes, I believe Act 5 is split into two acts. Okay. And uh, we should, if we don't have to miss any weeks, we should be on track. Everybody says, okay, Homestuck is boring, pick up at the fifth act with the trolls. Um, we're starting the fifth act. We're going to meet the trolls by name. Um, you guys, it's happening. Um, that's <laughs> going to start probably June 13th. Maybe the week after. Cool. But we should get there soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll always let you know, um, if our scheduling changes. Yeah, we're all in the middle of, like, graduating and moving and stuff, so life is exciting, but we'll keep you posted. Okay. Life is great yeah. and exciting. And now we're going to say goodbye. That, yeah, that's all for this week. We'll, I guess we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>